in certain applications, social media is huge. You can very quickly establish yourself as a subject matter expert, pretty much any topic, and raise awareness that way and get clients that way by just being a really good resource for them. In some other cases, straight up social media ads are good. And in some cases, you know, Google ads also work. However, the really beneficial things nowadays are printed things. Hey, it's Matt. And this is Pass the Secret Sauce. Today's guest is Vladimir Gendelman, founder and CEO of Company Folders, an online printing company specializing in presentation folders, binders, and envelopes. Company Folders has been listed in the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies in America for three consecutive years. Yeah, I grew up in the Soviet Union and we had a tiny kitchen. And when I say tiny, the distance between the actual tiny dinner table and the counter on the other side of the room, the distance was so small that you had to turn sideways. So needless to say, very small room, very small table. I am the only grandchild. So not only I don't have siblings, I don't have cousins either. So our dinner table was always three of us, my parents and myself. And my mom cooked all the time. Back in Soviet Union, we did not have options of carry out and things like that. We did go out to restaurant once in a great while, but it's, it was my mom's cooking and my mom, luckily, is a really good, really good cook. What, what was your favorite? So <laughs> I love what's called cutlets. Okay. Think of it as um, some kind of version of a burger, okay. but it's not done in a grill. It's done in a fry pan. And um, the, the chicken cutlets particularly was my uh, favorite. Mm-hmm. I love fried potatoes, uh, where my mom would cut them on this longer strings and fry them up and sometimes with mushrooms and onions and, oh, so good. Uh, my mom also used to make really good meatballs and uh, tomato sauce. And yeah, so that's some of my favorites. And uh, as far as conversations at the table, I don't remember exactly what we talked about. A lot of it had to do with, you know, how was school? What did you do? Mm-hmm. Who did you talk to? What did they say? You know, the, the, the regular stuff that you would ask a kid. <laughs> the, the, the only thing, and since this is entrepreneurial podcast, the one thing we never had as part of the conversation was any kind of entrepreneurial topic. Okay. The only thing that my mom guaranteed me was that we have no entrepreneurs in our family. <laughs> our family is not meant to be entrepreneurs. And anything they have ever tried always failed and they lost money. Mm-hmm. So that's not in the cards. Mm-hmm. So I have to become doctor or lawyer. And that's really, <laughs> those are my two options. Those are your choices. <laughs> so you grew up in the Soviet Union. When did you come to the U.S.? Or was there a few jumps before you came to the U.S.? Yeah. So we left on May, sorry, December 2nd, 1990. No, 1989. And we came to America on May 15, 1990. So the way this worked out is we had to go and we had to spend uh, time in Austria. So we ended up being there for about almost two months, a few days. And from Austria, we went to Italy, where was the next stop for the Jewish refugee immigration process. Okay. 
So we came here as Jewish refugees. And um, yeah, so finally, May 15, 1990, we landed in New York. Mm -hmm. To say it was crazy is to say nothing. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of people and everybody speaks this language that I don't know. I just caught on to a little bit of German and then I caught on to a little bit of Italian. I remembered a few words from school in English, but my English was horrible. And, and how old were you at this time? 15. Okay. So I, I turned 16 in, Ju in June, a month later. Mm -hmm. So this craziness going on, and, and I remember that we were thirsty. So we wanted to buy something to drink, and I want to say it was Fanta. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we went up to some place in a airport, and we didn't know how to, it was a soft fountain. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> And we didn't know how to pour the drink. We didn't know how to pay for it. We didn't know anything. And, uh, and there was a woman there, a Russian woman who spoke Russian, in line with us. And I think she quickly caught on to what's going on. Mm -hmm. So she poured us a gla glass of, I think it was Fanta or Coke, poured us a glass, gave it to us and said, I'll take care of it. Mm -hmm. Enjoy. And mm -hmm. she paid for ours, which was very nice of her. I still remember that. Yeah, it I must have made an impact. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then a few hours later, we got another plane. We came to Detroit and we've been here for almost 30 years now. It's going to be mm -hmm. 30 years on May 15th. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. So you started in school, I'm assuming. And despite your mom's advice, it looks like you probably started your first company relatively early. Is that correct? Well, yes and no. While we were in Italy and Austria, and I was 15, uh, there were a lot of people, Russian immigrants. So the way this worked in Russia is, A, you couldn't legally have a lot of money, Okay. right? Even if you got a hold of the money through black market and doing real entrepreneurial things, but they were not seen that way, you, you couldn't legally have it. Like you couldn't just walk around with money because then KGB starts asking questions, where did you get it from, right? Mm -hmm. And on top of it, when we were leaving, they wouldn't let us take the money out either. So what people did was people would buy merchandise that people who left Russia before us told us you can sell in Austria and Italy, and they would give us an approximate amount that you can sell it for. Mm -hmm. And the way we would purchase those is based on the exchange rate, right? Mm -hmm. So if I can buy it for five rubles there and then sell it for $5 in Italy, for example, right? That's one-to-one -one conversion, which is good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I can buy some for four rubles and sell for five dollars, that's even better, right? So based on that, we had Russian version of Swiss knife. Okay. Like, I don't know, we had maybe 80 of them. Mm -hmm. I remember we had a microscope. We had a lot of condoms. <laughs> we had, um, well, the condoms was an interesting story because in order to sell those, I walked around streets of Italy okay. and Russian condoms, they, they came in a long, very long line, and each one was right next to another, perforated, okay. you know, to, where you can tear one off. And we're talking about at least 20 in a row, yeah, maybe even more. So I, I had them all over my shoulders, almost like uh, bullets. <laughs> uh -huh. And I would walk around streets of Italy, and you know, I didn't speak that well, so I didn't know how to say condom. But I would scream out and say, anti-bambino, anti-bambino, <laughs> you know, whatever the price is. So yes, we sold a lot of those. We had some Russian military watches, mm -hmm. alarm clocks, and on and on, all sorts of things, really. And the paradox was that majority of the immigrants 
immigrants who were coming, they were not hustlers and they were not entrepreneurs. They were mostly intelligent doctors, lawyers, engineers type. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in Russia, the whole entrepreneurship and everything didn't exist. So the whole concept, me going out there to sell something, to offer something was an embarrassment to a lot of people. Not to me though. So what I did, I would get their products that they brought, their merchandise that they brought to sell. And they would tell me how much money they want for it. And I would sell it for more and keep the difference. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I ended up making good amount of money. I mean, considering I was 15, I sold pretty much everything my parents brought. Mm -hmm. And then I sold everything that people were giving me. And I ended up going to the bar every single night with a whole bunch of other guys and girls. And we played video games. We drank mineral water. We had ice cream. So it wasn't like, it's not like I was spending a lot of money, but enough to where it was really meaningful. Mm -hmm. And after everything was said, oh, I bought my mom candy every day. Mm -hmm. And I ended up bringing $600 of my own to America. And I used that money to get my first car. That's great. What did your mom think of all this after giving you, you know, after saying that entrepreneurialism isn't the place for us? I mean, she she might have seen it. That was not entrepreneurialism. That was just something we did. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Now, speaking to the mentality, right? Yep. To the mind. So anyways, then we came here and I just realized, I think um, I answered your question a long time ago. <laughs> you, you did. You did. No, that's fantastic. It's fantastic. So you, what was your first exposure to what you would consider entrepreneurialism here in the country? What were you doing or what did you do? First real entrepreneurial experience in America, I would say was in year 19... Probably 97, 98, maybe 99, a friend of mine and I, we bought a lot of computers, laptops from a local gallery because they were upgrading it for new computers. I don't remember exactly how many, but it must have been at least 100. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember there was a lot. So we bought those computers. We went through them. We reinstalled Windows. We just made sure that they worked properly. And we sold them all via eBay and other local sources here, mm-hmm. such as uh, Craigslist and whatever else worked at the time. Mm-hmm. We had ads all over the place. And, and I would say that was my first official entrepreneurial experience in America. Excellent. And you did that for a number of years. And then I'm assuming you more into the printing world. Is that how you... So I, in 99, in 99, I started a computer repair and networking company with a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. At the time I worked as a programmer and he had his own job and we would do this on the weekend or at night. And then I lost my job in 2002 Mm -hmm. in November, I was fired from my job. And so that was November. And in September of that year, a few months before, my friend went to law school. So now he had no time to deal with any of this. Mm-hmm. And in January of 2003, I changed the name of the company. We were first originally called GloveTech. Mm-hmm. So then I changed it to Orange Computer Solutions. And, and then what happened was I went on my own called Orange Computer Solutions. So I started around by myself fully around January. And a few months later, sometime in spring, probably March, one of my clients asked me if I could do a, a company folder because in his mind, if I do computers, mm. you know, that, that means everything. Mm-hmm. 
and particularly the way he he shared it with me was that you know i'm trying to get this company folders done but i want something nice and i don't know where to go for something nice can you help me find it mm-hmm. so i'm like of course like how hard could it be right and after my research i realized that there really isn't that many options out there for people who need presentation folders mm-hmm. and i had the flashback so in soviet union you have no option for anything we probably had i don't know four or five different wallpapers which means that and out of four or five two or three of them were completely hideous mm-hmm. so people would usually have one of two mm-hmm. so every house you went to had pretty much the same thing same silverware same clothing give or take same furniture same everything so you can't really stand out and kind of represent yourself Mm-hmm. that way and that's where i for whatever reason that that's that was my association oh lack of folder options is kind of like soviet union mm-hmm. and i by then I, i lived in america for for you know 12 years or so and uh we're 13 and i really enjoyed the whole self-expression and all those things i figured maybe uh maybe that's my my thing maybe that's that's my niche virtus technology is a custom business software solution provider Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. I figured out how to get some amazing folders for the customer and I did and he loved them. He's still my customer to this day. Mm-hmm. And since he since he referred to this company folder, the name of the company is Company Folders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a no-brainer at the time. Name of the company was not important to me. I just figured I want to do stuff and yeah, so it stuck that way. That's fantastic. And you mentioned that do you regret naming it company folders or has that served you well over the years? Would you have rather to have taken a, a different like more typical type name? So at the time it worked great because of SEO, mm-hmm. right? And the word folders was in the domain. Now it doesn't matter. In retrospect, I would probably I like the name because it really speaks to what we do mm-hmm. and it creates a niche. However, it is really hard to offer other things under that name. Mm-hmm. So possibly if I had the choice to go back and rename, I would maybe go with something that's more generic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just in case I decide to get into different product lines. Yeah, yeah. So talk about how you started this company. I assume you you found a printer, were you doing the design yourself or did you find a designer as well? How, how did you start that all? Yeah, in the very beginning it was literally I was nothing but a facilitator. So I found people who can print, I found people who can put coatings on it, I found people who can cut things and then I found other people who can design stuff and and I was just running around like a chicken with a head cut off, mm-hmm. putting out fires everywhere. And you know, I had no clue what I was doing and, and I was learning. And, and then gradually over time, I was able to start hiring people and, and 
getting more and more of my own stuff and gradually yeah we grew, grew like that that's excellent so are you doing your own printing today or is it i'm assuming you do the design today and yeah we do everything ourselves uh, as far as the printing goes we have some um, really intricate relationships mm -hmm. Well, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And I see on your website too, you have some pretty, pretty impressively large companies that you have done work for over the years. Can you talk a, a little bit about how you acquired those clients, how you got into some of those large companies? So SEO, organic SEO was the marketing channel from day one. And literally all these companies found us online. And then in 2012, when Google changed their algorithms, we actually were banned as part, as part of Panda update. And mm -hmm. oh boy, there was Panda and... Yeah, I'm trying to remember too. I, I remember when this There happened. was two of them. One was the yeah. content, one was the links. So we, yep. we got hit on both sides. And, um, and we lost 76% of traffic wow. to the wow. website. So that, that particular time was probably the closest thing to what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. So we, we instituted some loyalty programs where we called previous customers, trying to understand, you know, encourage them to, re to reorder and offer really good ways for people to work with us. That's easy, not necessarily dropping the price because I don't necessarily think it's the answer, but it's, it's more of a value add. Mm -hmm. And uh, we pulled through, we pulled through that. We, we changed how we do things. We went more into social media marketing. We went more into content marketing. We went more into becoming a thought leader. And um, that's, that's exactly what we do right now. We are, uh, it's all about digital marketing still, but uh, it's more about thought leadership and uh, being the subject matter expert to our clients. That's fantastic. So basically you, what types of content are you finding most effective? And again, just to, to recap, you're making customized folder that folders that you would get from you know, a real estate agent or any type of custom printed folder that you might get from you know, any number of different businesses. So I had a good question that I wanted to ask. How do I know which content? To oh yes, yes, exactly. Yes. So, so what? How do you determine what is the best type of content, and what do you do with that content once you create it? Very complex process. We basically talk about what people ask us. When we work with people, they ask all sorts of questions, such as, "Oh, you know, this is my logo. What should I do with it? Does it look good? Does this? Does that?" We might be changing our logo. How do we do it then? And so we we really understood that once people give us the artwork and they tell us what they want, right? We take over and we do everything else. Mm -hmm. So people don't need to do anything with that. But up until the moment they tell us, go ahead and print it, people need to truly understand how to do everything prior to that. Mm -hmm. And for some of them, it starts with logo creation. And for some of them, it's literally, I have all the material already designed. Here you go, mm -hmm. right? And anything in between. So we started addressing it from the very beginning. You know, how do you create logo? We have on our blog, we have multiple articles talking about what's a good logo, what's a bad logo, right? What's the good logo? design example how do you design logo that is two letters how do you design logo that has a symbol how do you design logo that is just your word but maybe has a some kind of symbol inside it and so on and so forth how do you know at which point the right way to go is this or, or that so then we have posts about how to design a folder what should be on your folder and so most of it is based on what people ask and what people want to know we also target a lot of our content towards other designers 
So it's either other designers or entrepreneurs and marketing managers is, is basically who our clientele is for the most part. And, and what happens is they rely on us to help them get projects done, right, on their own. And then obviously, naturally, who do they go to for help when they need something printed? Mm -hmm. They come to us. Uh, interesting. And can you talk a little bit about your creative process? I know that, so backing up to, to our company, we design a lot of software and throughout that process, there's, there's a lot of back and forth, if you will, with the client. And sometimes the client can't relay what they don't like. Do you, have you found a way to be able to communicate your creative process in a way that customers respond well to where they, it sort of cuts through any confusion and gets directly to the, the point of the design or the core of the design? Does that make sense? So the design process, yes, that's, that's a really good question because it's not black and white. So what we do is there are some cases that are very easy, right? It's either here's my logo. I want it on the front and nothing else. Right. So that's kind of no brainer. Um, another, a lot of times people send us the whole artwork already put together because we work with a lot of larger companies. They do it in house. Mm -hmm. Those are easy as well. And then there are customers who want something really cool, but they don't know necessarily what it looks like until they see it. Mm -hmm. So in that case, we try and understand what their brand requirements are. And once again, usually with smaller companies, they don't necessarily have a lot of those. So what we do then is kind of go over their website. We ask them to show what brochures and stuff they have that they actually like. And then we try and match the for the folder to match website, brochures, whatever the people have. If they don't have anything like that, we would work putting together maybe a couple variations of what we think could be cool. And, and then they kind of guide us from there. Whether it's, oh, I really, really like this. If we can just change that or mm -hmm. change this color, or you know what, I don't like this at all. However, this one element is kind of cool. Another thing that really helps us is we have design gallery where we have tremendous amount of folder photographs that we've printed before for people's for inspiration. So a lot of times what makes it really easy is that people contact us and say, hey, you know, you have that one folder in your gallery and they tell us which one or maybe three that they really like. Mm -hmm. And they would tell us, well, like this aspect of one, that aspect of another, or we want to fold it just like that, but different color and things like that. Got it. Got it. So it's really relying on, I guess, previous work that you've done and even sometimes previous work that maybe other people have done or other inspirations that people bring to the table that you pull all of that together and then you know, come up with the final design from, yeah. from there. Got it. Got it. So you said that when you were starting your company, you relied a lot on uh, organic. What would be your advice to someone who's starting in business today? What would you advise them to do? You know, because organic traffic is very, very difficult, very expensive to be able to, to get now. What would be your advice on how to, how to start? Well, it depends on the industry and it depends on what you're trying to do. In certain applications, social media is huge. You can very quickly establish yourself as a subject matter expert, pretty much any topic and raise awareness that way and get clients that way by just being a really good resource for them. Mm -hmm. In some other cases, straight up social media ads are good. And in some cases, you know, Google ads also work. 
however the really beneficial things nowadays are printed things and the reason being is that we all get overwhelmed with emails mm -hmm. but this coronavirus thing everybody and their mothers all of a sudden became coronavirus experts and some kind of wellness coaches because every single company who had my um, email on file are sending me emails telling me how they understand what i'm going through in these difficult times Mm -hmm. If they truly understood, they wouldn't be clogging my mailbox because mm -hmm. I don't need that information, right? But um, for some reason, they think they should. And at the same time, none of them sent me a letter to my house or my office saying, you know, so whoever sends me a piece of paper, I might not have time for it. And if I don't have time for the email, I delete it, mm -hmm. right? If it's not important. But if it's a printed piece, I just throw it on my desk. Mm -hmm. And then guess what happens? A week later, a few days later, I go through my desk and I clean up and I organize and I'm, oh, they sent me this, but now I actually have a couple of minutes to understand and look at it. And those things become way more powerful than digital advertising. And they become way more powerful now than they were before, just because the competition is less. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes perfect sense. And, and are you guys doing a lot of that type of material design today? We, yes, we do all sorts of design. Yeah, that's interesting. We do yeah. all the graphic print design from, I'd say, from a logo, business card, all the way to huge banners, billboards, trade show displays, outside tents, window signage, mm -hmm. folders, obviously, binders, envelopes, brochures, anything and everything. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, this is this has been really really interesting. You've had uh, you've had quite a life, quite a journey to get to this point. If the listeners wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way to get in touch with you for to get in touch with you or for hiring your services? So the best way is to send me an email to Vladimir at companyfolders.com, and uh, we're starting a new thing. We're starting a graphic design consultation, hmm. and I'm doing those myself. Okay. So anybody who's interested in a graphic design consultation, I offer 15 minutes for free. And the way this would work is we'd get on the phone. Prior to this, I would ask you to send me what it is you're looking to design. Is it brand new or update from something you had before? I want to see whatever relevant artwork or documentation you might have at this point. And then for in 15 minutes, we can go through and truly understand who you are, where you are, and where is it you want to go with your uh, marketing materials. And I'll be able to, to figure out the cost and pretty much explain the process and uh, provide a really good value for the money spent. Excellent. Excellent. That's fantastic. And you would just suggest anyone to email you that's interested in that service? That Absolutely. Service? Okay. Perfect. Absolutely. Well, excellent. Uh, Vladimir, this has been fantastic. And I think the listeners are going to get a lot out of your story and a lot out of your, your experiences. So thank you for uh, spending a little bit of time. Yeah, the more people I can help, the better. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.